The question really that you should be asking um, this morning is this. Why are people getting baptised? That should be a question that might be running through your mind. Why are people getting baptised? Well, in our Bible reading, the guy who was preaching was a man called Peter. And he was praying in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And, and him and a few others went out and they began to preach. And they began to preach about the resurrection of Jesus Christ to people who didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now these people still exist today. People turn around and say, well, you know what? It's okay for you to be a Christian. It's okay for you to um, um, go to church and to sing songs of worship. It's okay for you to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But as for me, I'm sorry, I can't accept the resurrection. I'm a man of science. And I believe that science proves everything. And so when I look at the resurrection, science tells me it's fantasy and it's make-believe. That's why I don't believe in the resurrection. Well, the truth of the matter is science has not got the answer for everything. Science cannot put your emotions in a test tube and measure it. Science cannot test your will. Or science cannot find your conscience. Science is not the proof of everything. But someone else might turn around and say, well, okay, and I may not be a scientific man, but one thing I can tell you, once you're dead, you're dead. That's it. There's no afterlife. There's nothing coming um, for me after this breath. I, once you're dead, I believe you're dead. And many people run with that all day long. But most of all, you have to ask yourself, do these people really have any evidence of that? Do these people who believe that actually can say why they believe what they believe? They're probably just turning around and saying, well, that's my, my fault about the situation. But we want evidence. Why do you believe what you believe? And so that's why my heading of this message is called Reasons to Believe. You see, Peter was a fisherman. And when we read Acts chapter 2, this is his first outing as a preacher. He's never preached before. And so his first actions and his first preaching engagement was here. And, and if you were an older preacher, you would come to the preacher, uh, Peter, don't preach on the resurrection. Why don't you preach on something nice? Like the promise of God or, or something good or easy. But don't take the resurrection. That's too difficult. It's your first time. You've never preached before. Do something easy. But Peter wasn't led by men. Peter was led by the Holy Spirit on that day. And on that day, the Holy Spirit led Peter to preach on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. And so three things that I want you to see what Peter says about this resurrection of Jesus Christ. Three things. The first thing then, I want you to see what Christ did. 
Peter mentions what Christ is. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you, uh, among you through him, as you yourselves know. The truth of the matter is that Peter was telling these people that Jesus Christ did miracles, and some of you knew it. Some of you were among the people at the 5,000 when Jesus broke the bread and the fish and fed 5,000 men and, and a number of women. Some of you were there. You saw it. Some of you were at the wedding banquet when Jesus turned water into wine. Some of you saw that. In fact, some of you saw or heard that people got healed from leprosy. You heard that some people had their eyes who were blind. They had their eyes open. You heard this Jesus was accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. And some of you saw it yourselves. Well, that was true. These things were not done in a back room. These things were not done in secret. These things were done in full view. Of everybody, and we have the gospel, the Bible, who tells us in detail exactly what took place. But I can hear someone else say, No, well, you know what? I don't believe your Bible. I've heard things about the Bible full of contradictions. That's what I heard. I heard things about the Bible, and the Bible is made up. So I, I can't rely on your Bible. Okay. How about some historians? That lived the same time, who wrote about Pilate, who wrote about Herod, who wrote about John the Baptist. How about historians who weren't Christians? What about them? Surely they are good sources. And sure enough, when we look at some of the historians, there was a man called Josephus. And he wrote this in one of his books about Jesus. He said about Jesus. He was one who performed surprising deeds. This is not a Christian. This man is a historian. This man is not in the Bible. This man is outside the Bible. And this is what he wrote. In fact, he wrote about John the Baptist. He also wrote about the crucifixion as well. He had information at the time. And he wrote this. He was one who performed surprising deeds. Never mind what the Bible says. We know in the Bible what the Bible says. We know the miracles of Jesus. We know that Christ done wonderful things. But now we hear that even from men who are outside of the Bible are saying the same thing. But not only that, that's not enough. That's good enough for me, but that's even not enough. I'll tell you now, Jesus is still at work today. Oh man, it's good seeing what he does in the Bible. Wonderful to read it for myself. It's wonderful to hear other historians speaking about Jesus from the pages of history. But I want to tell you something this morning. It's more wonderful, not more wonderful, but it's wonderful to hear that Jesus Christ is still working in lights today. When I hear Lee's testimony and see how God turned an angry man into a man who speaks so quietly you can't hardly hear him at the back. 
when I hear and read about, you know, Jess having that, that cancer, having prayer, and God touched her, her life, and, 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 and she's changed, the cancer is gone. When I hear about a man who's got a hip replacement, and the hip completely gets healed without having the hip replacement. When I hear a man on drugs and alcohol, Jimmy Rowe, who got told that he's hooked on drugs, one day the drugs left him. When I hear about these things, one thing I conclude, my dear friends, is that Jesus Christ is still at work today. Whether you agree on it or not, whether you believe him or not, one thing you cannot deny, you heard four testimonies, and each one has said, this Christ is still working in my life. He's still alive today. And so John, so Peter, as he was preaching, said, you know, this Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Second thing I want to say, what was said? Well, what was said? Well, the resurrection is powerful because it was spoken about at least a thousand years before it happened. That's why it's so powerful. Just imagine if you had the ability to predict the next week's lottery numbers. You'd be quite a remarkable person, wouldn't you? You know, my, I don't do the lottery myself. My father used to do the pools. So, you know, I don't even remember the pools. But my father used to do the pools. And, and this guy used to come knocking on my father's door to, to fleece him from his money. Because he know that he's not going to win anything. But there was a competition on this pools thing called Spot the Ball. What a ridiculous game to play. There's a picture of a man going to head the ball and you've got to find out exactly where the ball is. It's impossible. Can you imagine if you had the ability to predict, spot the ball before the picture came out? You'd be quite a remarkable person. But I want to tell you something. The Bible, at least a thousand years, looked through the time, the corridors of time, and predicted that Jesus Christ was going to rise again. Look what Peter says. Peter says this. He's speaking about David. He quotes Psalm. He said, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. And the guy who spoke that was a man called David. He was King David. And Peter would turn around and say, You know what, David? He died. Here he is. David, son of Jesse, was king over all Israel. He ruled over Israel 40 years, seven in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. He died at a good old age. That's the David who said that. But he's dead. So who was David speaking about? A thousand years before Jesus was born, who was David speaking about when he said, you will not allow your Holy One to see decay. You will not abandon me to the grave. Well, he wasn't speaking about himself because he was buried in the grave. So who was he talking about? Well, Peter turns around and says he was a prophet. And he knew that God had promised him on an oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah or the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. 
I want to tell you this morning, this is huge. The worms didn't crawl over Jesus' body. Decay didn't crawl over Jesus' body. No, no, no. Jesus was different than any other man. When he went into the grave, when he died on that cross, and he went into the grave, something wonderful took place three days later. Something incredible took place. In fact, Paul mentions this, and he says this. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding who? His son. Who, after his earthly life, was a descendant of David and who, through the spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. He was declared to be the Son of God with power. You can't line him up and put Gandhi there and Muhammad there and Mother Teresa there and then put Jesus there. Oh, look at these four lovely people. No, no, no. He was declared different to everybody else. He was declared with power by the resurrection because God said, that is my son. With him, I am well pleased. God raised him from the dead. Praise be to God. That is the Jesus Christ that Peter was preaching back then. That was the Jesus Christ that was preaching on that day. That's the Jesus Christ I'm preaching today. And you know something? John, in the Bible, in Revelation, he meets Jesus and Jesus says something to him. Listen to what Jesus says to John in Revelation. He says this. When I saw him, that's Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Here he is speaking to John. He's on the island of Patmos. The cross is gone now. The empty tomb is, is, is there, gone in the past. Now Jesus stands with resurrection power and he speaks to John and he says, John, I was dead, but behold, I'm alive. You know, when I see Jesus, I want him to put his hand on my shoulder. I want him to put my hand, I want to meet him as a friend. He puts his hand on my shoulder and says to me, do not be afraid. That's the Jesus that I want to meet. I do not want to meet him as his enemy on that day. I do not want to meet him as an unbeliever on that day. I do not want to to meet him with someone who's got all my sin that I carried all through my life. I do not want to meet him on that day. I want to meet him where he put his hand on my shoulder and says to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive. Well, that's the third thing, what was said. The third thing here is what was seen. You know, having eyewitnesses are very important. You know, in the United States of America, the police force are dealing with a number of um, rallies because 
white police officers have been guilty of shooting unarmed black young men. And normally the police officers have a body camera on them, but because of witnesses, the police are forced to release footage of what went on. It's a sad story that I was reading in the newspaper about a man called um, Danny Ray Thompson. Now, Danny lost two children the year before. His wife murdered their two children. And so Danny was in a bad place. And he was walking down Houston, one of Houston streets in Texas. He's walking down Houston. And as he's walking down, he was confronted by a police officer. Police officer the name was Harris. And the police officer said to Harris, stop walking. Stand still. But this man, being so traumatized, carried on walking. And the police officer opened up fire on this man and killed him on the spot. He had no weapon. A woman called Sharon Jones, a director of Civil Liberty Union, said this. The only reason we know about it, she says, is because of a bystander, bystander who had footage. That's the only reason why. If it wasn't for that person with her phone, then we would never have known what took place. You see, an eyewitness is so vital, is so important. Now, Peter preaching to this large group of people says to them, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the resurrection. And because I'm talking about this business of the resurrection, I want to tell you something, says Peter. I want to tell you that God has raised this Jesus to life. And guess what? We are all witnesses of it. We are all witnesses of the fact. The fact that Christ was raised from the dead. I'm not messing around with my words, says Peter. I want to tell you, we saw him. He, we saw him on the cross. We saw him put on, being put in a tomb. And we saw him coming out alive again. All 12 of us. And it was so important, he says, that we saw him, that guess what? We are willing to die for what we saw. Do you know, 11 of these 12 apostles all got killed because of what they saw. Only one did not get killed. That's John, who got exiled to the Isle of Patmos. But every single one of them died they turn around and say, you know what? I believe that Jesus Christ was alive from the dead. And someone said, no, if you say it again, you're dead. And they couldn't. They couldn't deny it. They couldn't deny what they saw. In fact, the Bible gives a, a bit of description of them. Listen to this in John's Gospel. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. My dear friends, if a dead man appears to you three times, you're not going to deny it. And these men rather went to the death saying that Jesus Christ 
is alive. We've seen him. Eyewitnesses count for a lot in our courts. The judge, who's a very educated man, he'll sit on the judgment seat. And if you bring 12 eyewitnesses, even though the judge wasn't there, even though he didn't see what take place, you bring 12 eyewitnesses, your case has a very solid foundation. So my conclusion, and this I close with, this last point. What must we do? So Peter has laid this foundation. He laid his facts out and he says to these people, you know what? Look at Jesus. You've seen what he's done. He's done miracles, signs and wonders. You've seen that. He's done it among you. Like we have seen today, hearing what Jesus has done in the lives of people. You've seen it, number one. Peter says, okay, not only that, but let me take you to the past. You know, have you seen what he said about him? Have you seen the past? It was predicted that he will rise from again a thousand years before it actually happened. Have you seen that? And also he said, listen, we are witnesses. We, who standing before you, are the men who actually saw the risen Jesus. Now, what must we do? Well, Peter says this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Lord and Christ. Now, when Peter said that, I can just hear people say, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on one minute. I wasn't there. I wasn't in Jerusalem when he got crucified. It wasn't me. I, I wasn't there. I was, I was so, in fact, it wasn't me. It was the Romans. They were the one who took the nails and hammered them into his body. It wasn't me. We weren't even here. I could just hear a number of people saying that. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Hold on. Don't blame me. What Peter was saying was this. Listen. Because of your sin, Peter was saying to these men. Because of your sin. Because of your rebellion. You deserve to die. But God has provided a substitute for you. Now, I'm not much into cage fighting. Um, want they go into a cage. But apparently this guy, Conor McGregor, you heard of him? He's a violent guy. When I see his face, I get scared. Just looking at him. And this guy's a cage fighter. You know, and he goes into the cage. And those of you who know anything about UFC, you know, you know you can use everything, anything you want. Your elbows, your fists, your knees. You can kick them, you can jump on them. It's a bloody sport. And um, I would never go into a cage with Conor McGregor. Because if I did, he would draw blood from me pretty quickly. And I'll be on the floor beating up, seriously. But you know what? If I had a substitute to go in for me, someone like Grant, he can go in. (laughs) Or Jim Hope, quite fit. He can go in. And I can sit outside. And then he can take all the beating and all the nails and not the nails, the, the, the kicking and everything. Oh, maybe that be nails. But anything he can get, he can take and I can stay outside. You know what? When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was your substitute. You deserved all of God's anger. 
It shouldn't be him on the cross. He was innocent. Shouldn't it be him dying? He didn't deserve to die. But he died because of the men in Jerusalem who Peter was preaching to. He died for the men and the women here at Golding's Church. He was your substitute. He went in and you came out. That is what the Bible preaches. And I tell you now, when the Holy Spirit came down upon that message, when the Holy Spirit came down upon these people, they weren't thinking with their minds only now, because their minds have been engaged, they've been convinced that Jesus did the miracles. They were convinced mentally that he did exist and he did go to the cross. They were convinced mentally that these men saw, but when the Holy Spirit came down, their mental thoughts wasn't enough. God had to touch their hearts. And so the Bible says this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. No more were they talking about theories, philosophies. No, no, no. Now, now, they were cut to the heart. They realized, sir, brothers, what must we do to be saved? We are in a dreadful position. We've seen that Jesus Christ, who's resurrected, is alive, is coming again. Brothers, what must we do? That is what was the question. No longer were they intellectualizing now. The Holy Spirit touched their hearts. And Peter had an answer for them. He turned around and he said to them, in my Bible, turns around and he says to them, Repent and be baptized. I started this sermon with a question. Why are the people getting baptized today? Why did anyone get baptized? Why should you get baptized? You should get baptized because you've seen Jesus Christ dying and taking your place. You deserve the anger and the wrath of God. But Jesus Christ took it all, paid the price in full, so that you and I can go free. And we need to cry out, Lord, what must I do to be saved? How about changing your thinking, repenting? How about saying what I thought was right? I never really thought about it. I just, you know, believed my mates. What I thought about it was, was right. Let me just think seriously for a moment. Let me use my brains for a moment. Let me consider the facts. And once I consider the facts, I realize that I have no choice but to conclude that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And because he is, I need to change my life. And turn it around and say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me. I may not be a violent man. I may not be a a horrible, backstabbing woman. I might be a decent person. But I need you. I need you to get me out from the kingdom of darkness. And to bring me into the kingdom of the son whom you love. Maybe that's you this morning. I hope so. It has been me. I got saved when I was 12 years old. 
Praise be to God, I got taken out from the kingdom of darkness at 12 and placed into the kingdom of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh God Almighty, I thank you so much that you've given us brains, you've given us intellect. It's not about feelings and emotions only, it's about using our mind and reasoning with what you've placed before us. And today, Lord, today, we have seen the facts. And we pray that by your spirit, Lord, you will move powerfully and mightily on us. That we will know that Jesus Christ not only went to the cross, not only did he go into a tomb, not only Did he raise again the third day from that too? But Jesus Christ will come again in glory. And he will put a hand on each shoulder. And he can say to us, do not be afraid. Or you can say to us, away from me. I do not know you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move powerfully today. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing again.